Go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds on politics, offering insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Join me, Tyler Foggett, for conversations with the most knowledgeable minds from The New Yorker that will dive deep on the most interesting political story of the week. Then, Susan Glasser, Jane Mayer, and Evan Osnos gather to hash out what's happening in Washington, D.C., with an insider's understanding of the high stakes at this perilous moment for American democracy. Plus, our editor David Remnick will provide you with insightful storytelling with a mix of interviews and profiles. That's all happening on the political scene. Make sure you're following it now, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jason Kander, and this is Majority 54, the podcast for the 54% of us who did not vote for Donald Trump to talk to everybody else about what the hell that was. Uh, Robbie and I and our guests, who you'll meet in a moment, we're just talking about how we want to start with something uplifting, uh, which was really hard to do after that debate. Ravi's going to be in charge of being uplifting about the debate, but I will just start with something that is uplifting personally, which is uh, on Friday, uh, my wife gave birth to our second child, Bella Brave Candor, and we are home and we are a little bit tired. Not I, I was I'm much more tired now after that debate, uh, but everybody is healthy and true is so excited to be a big brother. And that is awesome. So, you know, life can be good in many respects. It is. Well, J- well Jason, congratulations. Thank uh, you. And thank you so much for, thank you and Diana, who I'm sure is picking up extra duty tonight, uh, that, you're, that you've been able to jump on for this very important civic moment that we have here this <laughs> evening. Yeah, you bet. You bet. No, uh, Bella's, Bella is asleep. That wasn't even sarcastic. Uh, I mean it seriously. Uh, yeah, I mean it seriously. Well, I just feel uh, I should just talk over you the entire time, just in the spirit of the evening. Yeah, yeah. All right, tell people. Uh, tell people who's with us. Not true. Not, not true. true. Not true, Jason. Oh, not true. Not true, Jason. Uh, well, uh, I'll say before I introduce the next guest that I actually I I wore a Bob Ross T-shirt today uh, in anticipation of of how nerve-wracking the day was going to be and so i've just been thinking about happy trees all day and even during that debate i was just thinking about painting my happy trees but uh my friend harris vugan is our guest today and hari is a longtime democratic operative uh and most recently he was the deputy campaign manager for mayor pete's campaign and and ran the debate prep for mayor pete uh, he's also my co-pilot on the Arena Communications Director trainings, where we've trained hundreds of communication directors around the country. And he's been a communications director and or operative to everybody from President Obama to Chris Dodd to Martin O'Malley. Um, and he was a teacher back in the day. And so we share that in common. Um, we love to talk about education. And so, Hari, welcome to the podcast. And thank you for being with us this evening. Thanks, fellas. It's a weird night uh, for us to all to gather here, but uh, I'm excited to talk to you. All right. So let's get into it. So uh, I deliberately haven't looked at Twitter, and I think, Jason, you haven't uh-huh. either, and I'm not sure about you, Hari. So I, I wanted to take a totally fresh perspective. The The one thing I've been getting are text messages uh, from friends, and I'm getting like a, uh, like a sort of feeling that people are like, there's like one camp that's saying, all right, this is embarrassing for our country which we could talk about. And then there's a group of people who are just kind of wanted, like that they feel a little bit despondent about 
just what this all means for us today. And so I think what we want to start with before we get into even to the line by line and anything specific about what happened is just what meaning do we make out of this as people who have all of us who have a role to play in this election? So I just want to start off with that question, which is how should you be thinking about this debate? Like, like, is it a win loss thing? Is it like there's certain material that we've gained that that is important on one side or the other? Is this going to affect what has seem, seemingly been a stable race? Like, what do we think of this? Uh, and Jason, why don't we start with you? What I think about this is that this should reinforce the fact that we are winning, we have the advantage, and we just have to keep executing. Um, President Trump came into this with the energy and the attitude of somebody who is desperate. And in this case, I believe he was desperate to make people have the reaction of, this is not worth my time, not just this debate, but this election. He knows that high voter engagement and high enthusiasm is really bad for him. And he decided, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to bring Joe Biden down in the mud with me. I'm going to make people watch this and go, these two guys are the same and they're children. And they, you know, because he was trying to provoke Biden all night. And I have gotten texts from people who are like, I'm not even sure if I'm going to vote. And so I think to some extent that may have been successful. But what it should remind all of us uh, of is that. We have the advantage. Don't let this debate change anything. Just keep doing the work. Yeah, Hari, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, so my sense is the thing that people are going to take away from this is is the exhaustion. You know, uh, debates can be. Um, and by the way, I should say I didn't run debate for Pete. Uh, Liz Smith did, and I don't want a series of angry texts from Liz, but <laughs> I was involved in all the debate preps. Um, but, you know, when we're in debate prep, we think about moments and we think about um, the impression that you leave with people, right? And the impression that I think we're going to leave with people, the people who watch this debate is that they're fucking tired. They're just exhausted by the last four years. And this, what we have to understand is this election is still an election about an incumbent. And so there's, when it's an election about an incumbent, there's two things you got to answer, right? There's two questions voters are asking, which is like, does this... A person deserve four more years, right? It's a referendum on them. And is the alternative acceptable if the answer is no? And if you watch this debate tonight, you don't answer that question in the affirmative. You don't answer that first question. Does this person deserve four more years? If you're a swing voter in the affirmative, because I think all you got is more exhaustion. Uh, and um, I can't imagine anyone wants yeah. that. I can't imagine a single person wants that. Yeah, clearly, uh, I think Trump's strategy was People are not going to say Trump's done great. I want more Trump. So I have to make them, I have to disqualify Joe Biden. It's my only way forward is to disqualify Joe Biden. So on this question of the exhaustion and Jason, the text that you got from your friends, I think that is the risk coming out of this debate, which is people looked at this as a spectacle uh, and a lot of people were embarrassed by it. And I think a lot of people looked at the stage as a whole and said, these aren't the two best. They lumped people together, and this isn't the two best people that our country has to offer. And I, and I think it's important to acknowledge that and be like, yes, like we need more diversity, more we need more young people. We need like if there ever was a, a, a moment in American political history where we needed more women, it was that it was tonight. Uh, like I think the the energy was just off from the beginning. But all that is to say, none of that is anything we can control. So. Uh, what we can control is, and, and and I want to talk about what Biden can control, which is he got on a stage today with a guy who is incredibly aggressive and who was talking over him the entire time. 
And I kept thinking to myself of this line from the Obama campaign where he would say, like, we are the ones we've been waiting for. And I actually think that the line was a little bullshit on that campaign because he was the one we were waiting for. He was very much a singular candidate who we all rallied behind and almost like wrapped his arms around our democracy and pulled it in a certain direction. Whereas I think this Biden campaign is different. We have to show up and say, you know, he is not going to be the knight who's going to save the day. He's he's a good guy who's going to show up and he's going to do his very best. Um, but he's up against a complete monster uh, who is going to steamroll every norm and every law possible on his way to victory. And we can't just sit back and be like, I wish Biden did X, Y, and Z. We have to we have to look at moments like this and be like, all right, our guy uh, was in a situation where uh, he he made some he made some good points. He he had a bunch of points he could have made better, which we'll get to. But at the end of the day, he was a good man, uh, positing a vision of the country that was unifying, while a guy tried to talk over him the entire time. Which I don't know a single person who would have handled that well. Uh, you know. Yeah, I I think that's really important because this is usually we just talk about the people who might be on the fence in your life, but in this case, I think you're absolutely right, Ravi. We have to start with the people in our camp who may want to throw stones at the performance and and complain. Uh, you know, for people who listen to the pod regularly, people like my neighbor who I'm referring to as Brad, who comes by and is just like, "Why are the Democrats so messed up? That absolves me of any responsibility to do anything." Right. We have to tend right. to those people first, and to those people, I would just relate a couple personal experiences. I've never had any. I've I've never debated an air horn before, so I've never experienced what Biden mm-hmm. experienced tonight. But I've had to do things that were sort of like it, like. You know, Jordan Klepper had that show, The Opposition, where he played like a just over the top windbag. That was his character. And the idea was you had to go on and you had to like hang in with this character, but also sort of let on that you knew it was a joke. And that's one of the I mean, even though that was a comedic show, that's one of the toughest interviews I've ever done in my life. And, you know, Biden had to do that like for real. Like he had to go talk to somebody who was actually like that. And at least the character Klepper played like he let me finish what I was saying so that's incredibly difficult. And Biden handled it, I think, in most cases, really well. To me, my favorite moment was clearly, you know, and there were a few of these, but clearly over and over again, Trump is trying to draw him into a mano a mano, the Biden family versus the Trump family. Because if it's about the Biden family versus the Trump family, it's tabloid stuff. It's Hatfields and McCoys. It's it's not about COVID. It's not about, you know, everything that's gone bad, uh, you know, tax returns, everything. It's not about any of those things. It's about which family do I like more? It's a soap opera. And Biden is a guy who is really, really deeply proud of his his family. It's, he tells stories all the time about his dad and, you know, and, and growing up. And like, this is a guy who processes things through family. So to not take the bait and to not say, take my son's name right out of your mouth to not take that bait and to instead look right at the camera and say, this ain't about my family. It's about your family. I think took enormous discipline and a lot of people couldn't do it. And I think he should get a lot of credit for that. There will be folks on Twitter that are, we're hoping that he landed more punches and engaged more. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you're scoring a boxing match, right? Like you're looking for, for shots landed. Uh, and I think that's the wrong way to look at this. Um, it, it is, it, it's going to be like, you got to answer these questions. Like, does this, do you want four more years of this? And is this guy more effective than the alternative? And I think Jason, the, the moment that you, you referenced when, uh, the vice president turned to camera 
and talk to the American people were his most effective mm-hmm. moments. Yeah, like when totally he agree. didn't engage with Trump is when he was most effective. And really, it stood out even more because the whole thing was such a shit show. Yeah, when he the only thing that cut through that was when he looked to camera. Um, and so, if you're a if you're a in the camp already, and if you're a Democrat, I I would look at those moments and say those are the moments that are going to bring voters home. If there's yeah. anybody that's undecided, uh, they're not going to look at Trump and what what they saw tonight and say like that's going to move me. Yeah, uh, towards that. Um, but I think you can look at Joe and say, like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, there, every debate, every single campaign says there is one president on stage tonight, right? Yeah, I think there's only one person on stage tonight who's interested in being president. Yeah. Right, right. The other guy was interested in being like the troll in chief. Yeah, and I think that that's the big difference. And so when Joe turned to the camera and looked at people and said, "It's about your family," or yes. "This is what I'm going to do for you." That cuts through all of the noise. And so people who are turned off by the noise can can hang their hat on that, I think. Yeah, and I, I, I thought that the way that the debate ended was the strongest point for Joe. And he said, I'm going to be a president for not just Democrats, but also Republicans, was the most important point of the night. Uh, and so let's go back to the beginning. So let's talk about the first 30 minutes of this debate, because, you know, our friend Ron Klain says that you can win a debate in the first first 30 minutes uh, and you can't win it at any other point, but you can lose it at any point in a debate. So what he means is people are going to form their positive thoughts about you in the beginning, and but you could say something really dumb later on that could come back to haunt you, and, and we could talk about what those moments are later on about like the things that could cost people. Well, let's start with the first 30 minutes, I'll give you my, my quick impressions here. And, and I think this is a good time to talk about body language and the mechanics of the debate as well, because I think, uh, I think they mattered a lot here and I'm, and I'm honestly not sure how they are going to play out yet. So my, my feeling in watching this was that if I'm being honest, Trump was a little bit clearer in the things he was saying when, when he has this sort of presence to him like if you just listen to audio of trump he sounds insane or if you look at a transcript of it he he's his words don't all come together but he has this like this body language or he's just struts uh and i think like his words take on a little bit more of a persuasive quality because he's a performer and i think the juxtaposition of his body language which is very dominating and biden's who is i think looking down a lot and um and and he would look to the camera and he would look down whereas biden would uh, like uh trump was kind of looking over and looking strident and kind of like aggressive in the beginning freaked a lot of people out i think like i think a lot of people on our side looked at that and was like joe biden looks weak and trump looks strong um and so this is we're not a propaganda outlet so i just want to acknowledge that because i think like people people felt that you know and so i want to acknowledge that no, I think that's right. I, you know, he's he came he came out guns firing, and um, to the degree that in a debate you want to control the flow of the conversation, he controlled the flow of the conversation, both in like, you know, uh, he won time of possession for sure, right, in this game, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. he also like controlled the topics, or he tried to, um, but like you can only go so far with that. Like I think it, it does. Yeah. That's at some the question, point, right? Where, yeah, you know, yeah. And I think that's, and I think it's discipline on Biden's part. I, I think it's a really hard um, thing to answer if you're Biden, right? Because what you, 
the test that's being put before you is can you keep your shit together when this crazy person is acting this way, right? Like if you're Trump, you go into it and you're like, they already think I'm crazy, right? Now I got to make them think that he can't handle it, right? And so you've got that to balance with the fact that you also got to stand up for yourself. And so I, yeah. I felt like he actually did a pretty good job of mixing that. I thought that's why it was really strong. And I think it was in the first half hour when he just turned to him and he's like, man, will you just shut up for a minute? You know, or whatever yeah, he said. Yeah. I thought that yeah. was good because it, it wasn't long. He didn't stay angry, but, but he sort of channeled what people watching were feeling. No matter where you were, I think on the spectrum, you're sort of like, I can't understand what anybody's saying. And so he was kind of like, hey, can we just for a minute just give me a second that i think was good um but yeah i you know you got to remember like we go into this with you got the lead so you're not throwing deep you know and biden yeah or and trump rather he's throwing deep like he's got to throw deep over and over and over again so yeah like he gets to be more aggressive whereas biden's like i'm just gonna come in here and i'm gonna just be somebody who would react in a genuine way to this and i think he mostly did that yeah. You know, yeah. when you're watching like a, a show or something, there's a character that is the sort of avatar for the audience. I think in debate, sometimes you want to be the, you want to be the avatar for the audience. I think Joe Biden was the avatar in those moments, especially when he's like, dude, can you just shut up for a moment? Yeah. You know, like he really channeled, I think what, what people were feeling. And you know, the other thing, I think Jason's right. Like Trump needed a, like a seismic event. To him. Right. Uh, and so he was, he was, you know, taking his shots for sure. And, you can get under Joe Biden's skin pretty easily. Like his, you know, if you're a, we knew this in our debates and we saw it during the primaries, you saw two different Joe Bidens at debates. One is one who has been in office for 40 years and is rightfully proud of his record. And when his record is attacked, he gets very defensive. He gets very angry. I call it spittle Joe Biden when he, you know, he kind of spits a lot and gets really angry. And that's the worst Joe Biden. Uh, and you can get there not uh, without a lot. Um, and then there's a, a more quiet, uh, thoughtful kind of smile and Joe. Um, and it takes a lot of discipline to get there. And he I think he was more of the good Joe than he was the bad Joe tonight. And it was, you know, just enough of the indignant uh, Joe that he needed. Joe, Joe Biden's just not an inherently unlikable person. And I think it's very hard for uh for the Trump campaign and his people to make Biden out to be nefarious. Their best bet is to make him, that's why they, they created this moniker sleepy Joe is that that's the worst they could say about him. And to be honest, like, like if, if that's the punch that lands, I think we're all right. Because I think what we saw tonight was uh, more of the same from Trump where the American people are just exhausted. And I don't think there are going to be a lot of people who look at this debate tonight and say, if you substituted Trump for almost anybody else in American political life, it would be as weird and exhausting as it is tonight. Nobody's saying that. And so if I were to think like uh, the first 30 minutes, uh, and also the, the first 30 minutes got a little, I think, tricky because I think Bi Biden was and Wallace uh, were both, I think it was apparent to them that this was not going to be uh, a respectful, uh, you know, and, and everybody should have known this coming in, but it's it's just different when you see, we all could put it on paper, but like when you see it and feel it, it's very different. It's like, you know, the Mike Tyson saying like, everybody has a plan until they, they get punched in the face. It's like, once you feel this guy, this like big guy 
who just is talking over everybody and there's really almost nothing you could do about it. What do you do? Like, it's just like, there's only so many tools in the toolbox. Well, And, and that guy is the president of the United States. So you can't right. exactly, it's not like you can just be like, Hey man, like you can't say that over and over again. Like at some point there's going to be unfortunately and unfairly criticism of you for speaking to the president of the United States in a disrespectful way, which is ridiculous because he's the most disrespectful American. Um, but okay. So two things that I think stood out to me, and I think they were both from the first, the first 30 minutes or close to it. Um, one that I think was effective by Trump and that we should all be really aware of when coming out of this debate. Um, and then the second, uh, that I think was very effective for Biden that we should also carry with us. And before I get into this, what I want to say is we all have to remember that the Trump strategy in this debate and in general is not to persuade undecided voters. That's not their strategy. Their strategy sometimes is to, you know, like bring back voters who are currently undecided, who are usually their voters, but they're n he's not about winning people over in the middle. He's not about independent voters. He's about more of my people are pissed off than your people are pissed off and they show up. He plays to his win scenario. It's one of the only things he does, you know, well. It's not a good thing, but he does it well. He knows his win scenario. He doesn't hedge. So that's what he's doing. It's why he, you know, didn't you say, yeah, white supremacists, they're terrible. I don't want any piece of them. He didn't do that because he's just trying to turn his people out, period. He doesn't want to lose any of them. That's messed up all on its own, but that's the strategy. And so in doing so, when he went into the law and order riff, uh, look, the three of us obviously think it was reprehensible and you know, all of that. We can, we can stipulate to that, but I think it was potentially very effective. And it's why he kept saying, he won't say it. He won't say it so loud that he couldn't say it. Right. Because yeah. he, their yeah. plan is you say this and we spend the next two weeks saying he won't even say law and order. They don't want this to be yeah. about COVID. They don't want this to be about tax returns. They want it to be about violence that he caused and then make it about that. I think that was strong for Trump. I, unfortunately, be, and just there's no way it couldn't be. He went into it trying to get that. There's, I don't think there's anything, by the way, Biden could have done about that. I think Biden handled it well. Just by it getting that much time in the debate, it's 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 strong for them. But on the other hand, on the pretty much the same thing, people should give Joe Biden credit because I don't think anybody expected him to come in with a righteous and indignant riff about the suburbs. And I thought that was yeah. cool. <laughs> that was the best part of the debate, yeah. actually. That, I like that even more than what yeah. I said it was the end part. Yeah. You know, that was, what did he say? He said, you wouldn't know a suburb if you took a wrong turn. And he said, he, he talk about the suburbs like it's the 1950s, but people are driving their kids to soccer practice or whatever. He's like, I grew up in the suburbs. Different yeah. I grew up in the suburbs, right. right. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, he landed on this Scranton, not, uh, not Fifth Avenue or Park Avenue riff a couple of weeks ago. And I think it's been incredibly, incredibly effective. Uh, it yeah. gives them like a, 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 a backbone to hang stuff off of um, yeah. and frame everything else around. And, and that I think is probably the economic argument other than, uh, you know, if you can't get a handle on COVID, you can't get a handle on recovery that I think he's just going to continue to drive and drive and drive. And, and I think people are going to, people are going to say, Oh, well, but he didn't hammer him on the tax. You know, I don't know what Twitter's saying yet, but I'm sure that a lot of folks on our side are like, he didn't even bring up the tax returns. But you know why, I think? Because the American people don't feel like whether Trump paid taxes or whether he's screwing us over right now is going to affect them in the immediate right. future. And I, I give Biden and the Biden campaign 
a lot of credit for just keeping it on the stuff that's affecting people in their lives. Like when he said, a lot of you watching this, there's a chair missing from the table. Like that was right on. And yeah, so I think he did that yeah. stuff well. Yeah. One last piece on this, the, this first third, before we talk about the, the sort of last, the middle and the final part of the debate. Uh, I think Hari, you were saying like Biden was the avatar for the audience in many ways. And I think he was in a certain respect, right? He was, he was exhausted by it all, right? And I think it was very clear to voters that um, even though every now and then Biden was talking over Trump or trying to, it, it just didn't have the same quality to it or the same volume. Uh, uh, and in some ways that hurt us in some ways, it helped us. I think in the end, it, it generally helped us. Although um, it all hinges on how the audience views Trump's bullying tactics. And I have a little bit of leftover PTSD from the... Not to sorry, fine, Jason. Dude. No, not left there. PTSD. Worry. It's a colloquialism. Metaphorical, we're, we're good. Meta, <laughs> metaphorical bad feelings about uh, about how I viewed him the last time versus the way uh, other people viewed him the last time. And we just didn't get enough people seeing him the same way when he was a complete ass on the stage to Hillary Clinton. So is you there know, anything I, here that we said that's different here? Is it because he's president and people are already exhausted yeah. by him and know his shtick? That's exactly it. I mean, I think... Look, if you're scoring this thing on points, I think Trump won the debate, right? But I don't think that's how people are scoring this thing, right? And it's, and it's because they have the experience of having had Donald Trump as their president for the last four years and are living in an America um, that's chaotic. It is, it is defined by its chaos. It's defined by uncertainty. Uh, and what they wanted to see, I think, is reassurance. I think they wanted to see that calm presence um, that, uh, that, you know, Hillary offered and that Joe offered tonight. But the, I think this, you know, what people are looking for is, is going to be different because of what they know they have in Trump. I, I think for our listeners who are interested in, in trying to actually bring people over to their side and their family and everything, I think we should go back to just go back and watch every clip where Biden turned directly to the camera. Cause what he was doing was the stuff we tell people on this show to do all the time, which is when you are arguing with someone who is completely irrational, when you are arguing with someone who y you got to realize when you're no longer trying to persuade them and you're instead focused on persuading the other people in the room. Right. And those were his strongest moments. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to, when people bring up, yeah, but Barisma or yeah, but, but you know, whatever, just you say, hey, man, how does that affect your life? How does that affect my life? I, I want to talk. And then you just say, like, when, when they said, I want to talk about climate change, and Biden was like, great, me too. That's, that's where we should be, is that, and that's where Biden was. It's, this is not about the Bidens and the Trumps, man. This is about, you know, regular Americans. Right. And and one of these people, right. by the way, came into this debate as human voter suppression. I mean, like, Harry, right. you and I have worked on electing Democratic secretaries of state together. Like, this guy came in with the objective of let's get fewer people to vote. His whole closing argument, the thing he was most passionate about, was like American democracy is a fraud. And and so I just think that may be where you go with people. It's like there were two candidates on the stage. One of them trusts us to vote. And the other thinks yeah. we're all a bunch of criminal suspects because we want to vote. Like, yeah. you can't have that. And, and, yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. crazy, but it, it's it just take a, a moment to step back and think about the idea that uh, the legitimacy of the election was a topic in this debate. Horrible. Right? Horrible for the country. 
Like, how crazy is this? He refused I, to, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Robert. No, no, he refused to both denounce white supremacists or say he would accept the results of the election in the same yeah. debate. I mean, he told he told the Proud Boys to stand by, yes. and then he told his supporters to go in and intimidate voters in their in their polling places. Like, my point is, it, it's crazy that that is a topic. It is crazy that this is what the president of the United States is is touting. But it, in terms of just debate analysis, that adds to the sense of chaos. That adds to the sense of we're so far away from from normalcy. Like you know, Pete. Uh, uh, when we were uh, when I was working for Pete, he used to say a lot. You know, wouldn't it be great to watch TV and see the White House and have your blood pressure go down rather than go yeah. up? Yeah, right. I think that's a real. You know, it, one of the things we 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 saw in our research that we saw when we were talking to voters was, um, and I think it's a lot of the voters that that this podcast reaches, especially is, uh, they they aren't as strident as what we see on Twitter. Um, right. And they are uh, they care passionately about the direction of the country and they're they care about the policy, too. But they also care about the tenor of of uh, our politics and of the environment. Um, and uh, I think coming out of tonight, like the like if debates are impressionistic uh, coming out of tonight, what we saw is, you know, from Joe Biden is someone who can bring us back. Not necessarily to normal, but to a sense of normalcy, and that is yeah. like you're not. That's not going to pop in the polls, but yeah. it is something that's deep in people's hearts and that they are hungry for. Yeah, uh, and they'll vote on it. It's a voting issue. Yeah, and I think you know the, you know, as we talk about the last two thirds of the debate, Biden started to heat up a lot. I thought he got a lot better as the debate went on, and I think that's hopefully a sign for what we're going to see in the next two. And if I were preparing him, I would almost hype him up before the debate a little bit more because I think he came in a little bit, a little bit too calm in some ways. Like I think as as time went on, he was a little bit more sharp in getting his points in, and he was doing it in ways that he didn't seem flustered at all. Uh, and he and when he did get a little exasperated, he he was channeling the audience, like you said. But there were so many moments in this debate where I think as you're if you're a listener, you have to cast aside this platonic ideal of what it means to be a debater. This isn't Jed Bartlett. This isn't like a Sorkian uh, dialogue. You know, it's not Mayor Pete, right? There, there were a lot of moments where I was taking notes in this where I'd be like, damn it, like he said, there's no negative effects from my rally. What about Herman fucking <laughs> right, Kane? Right. Like, you yeah. know, where there were just like a lot of things like yeah. where there would be amazing comebacks. And I think you, like listener at home, just get yourself ready. Calm yourself down. You're not going to get the zingers from Biden. They're just well, not they're, coming. They don't work. You know? They, they, because, yeah. like, the zingers that make all of us feel good do not win anybody over. They are – there was a moment in one of President Obama's uh, – I think I think it may be in his final State of the Union. I don't remember. And he was – he and you could see it play out where he, he was making an argument – and and he was saying, you know, I've run my last election. Maybe it was coming right out of the, out of you know the reelect, and and everybody applauded. And he, you know, he had I don't remember what the middle line was. He had a line that everybody was like, ah, ha, ha, both sides left. And then understandably, like he couldn't help it, and he was like, I know because I won both of them. And the thing was, you could see it on Obama's face that he he knew, damn it, my people are going to love that, but that is not helping me sell my stuff. Like. And, 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 and that's what we all have to remember is like, 
there is that yeah. extra line, that extra burn. Like when you are doing trial work, you are taught like that last question that you want to answer because you know you got them, you don't ask it. You answer that question in your closing argument. You don't ask it and give them a chance to respond. And 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 that's what I do think Biden did well, but it is a lot less satisfying if you're a you know a liberal watcher of this as we all are. You know, zickers only work if they're related to your theory of the case. Right. If they add right. to your core message. And authentic and on the spot. Exactly. If they're one off or they're canned uh, and they have nothing to do with what you're, what you're saying you are going to do or why people should vote for you, the rationale of your candidacy, they're one off. They will disappear uh, by the next debate. Like there will be and, no effect. And if they're canned, they, you look like a politician. And it's why it's why would you shut up for a second, man, is uh, is mm-hmm. is effective yeah, yeah. while, you know, stuff like, you know, he or or there was another moment where Biden where they were like, please don't interrupt. And, and he was like, I won't. And Biden's like, he can't keep his word. That was, I think, That's effective because it it clearly was not something that came beforehand. And it's a very Biden ish thing to say. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And here's here. Here are a couple of tips for like the people who. You know, I know the the Biden debate prep team is going to be listening to this attentively, but uh, you know, if you replace the sort of phrase zingers with like important, uh, important framing responses to these things, like there were a few moments where now that we know what what uh, Trump keeps saying, and these are his lines when he says things like. Um, nobody has gotten harmed in my rally. Like the importance is not for the zinger. It's to make it clear that that's, that is wrong in an important way. Or when he says um, it's, it's important because his recklessness and, and Biden just isn't landing these lines. Like he, Biden didn't land the line about how Trump was selfish about the way he viewed his rallies. And I think what you were seeing is there were just, execution errors in some of these moments and then there were some that were just infuriating and i don't know how to deal with which are like when trump was just boasting about the judges which i think if there was a moment i wanted to jump out the window yeah and it was like unimportant in in a in a specific way because voters don't really care about obama filling judges so i was like i i resisted the temptation to jump out the window but there is a thing for us to learn from this which is there is if you were to thread the needle here and say, if everything went wrong for us and there was something in this debate for us to point to, to say, we need to make sure this doesn't happen again, is that there is an accumulation of moments where Trump can look effective if you have a certain frame of mind. And I think like, he's like, oh, I get shit done. You don't get shit done. We've got to be careful about that because we can't, we can't let him boast about all the shit that he's claiming he did because it's just, it's factually incorrect. And when you accumulate it all together, there's a story about his presidency that he's spinning. Uh, and I think we've got to be careful about this, in my opinion, point. because it, it, it's crazy to us, but it might not be crazy to the people out there. Who it's the people who say, yeah. I don't like him, but I like the results. And so right. he's got to make up results. And we can't, we, yeah. you're right, we can't let that go. That's totally right. Yeah. There's, there's one thing that I would change in Joe Biden's performance for next time is he kind of, he did this thing where, where Trump would say something crazy and, uh, and he would kind of, smirk and and smile and laugh and i think that's effective sometimes like he did it with sarah palin a lot in, in 2008 if you remember um and it's a charm and there's like a charm to that with joe biden like it i think tonally it's just off 
for yeah. for this level of of nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, it seemed it yeah. seemed kind of it it's just a, it's okay that. to it's okay to be aghast and roll your eyes occasionally. Yeah, exactly. There was a moment where he did that, and this fits into the sort of theme of what I was just talking about. And I, because I, I looking, I'm looking at my notes, and there's certain things that are all capitals underlined 17 times. And there was a moment when Trump was like, "There's the lowest carbon emissions we've ever had," and Biden just laughed. He didn't do it. And I wrote on my page because of fucking <laughs> yeah, COVID. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> like it's it's because you've let a fucking pandemic rage throughout our yeah, country. Yeah, there's also like dolphins in the Hudson or something, right? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's absurd. You could you could see through the Venice Canal. Like it's like like it's what there. You just and like part of what I'm doing is I'm channeling you, the mm. listener. I'm both being frustrated but explaining that there's nothing. We have got to accept the reality that we have. You know what is the saying? Like accept the things you cannot mm-hmm. change or yeah. whatever. But you know, Rob, that, you know that's a good point though, because like the the response to that could have been. Uh, actually, no. Our carbon emissions are X when yeah. we when we left office, and then yeah, they yeah. went up, and you know, and now they're back. Yeah, yeah. But like it, that kind of factual back and forth with Trump is just like a waste mm-hmm. of of time, right? Yeah. But bringing it back to something that actually is part of your what's going to move voters for you, like COVID, is yeah. that's where you like, and you should only take those shots when you can do that, right? So, yeah. Uh, here's where. Where I'm going to sort of leave my thoughts because I have a baby crying downstairs, I think, and, and I, I think I have a yeah closing yeah, thoughts. I, I think I, I I can hear that, and, and I'm pretty sure that I uh, I have a wife who needs some uh, backup. So um, here's what I would say is that because uh, I believe in personalizing this, when you talk about the debate with people, talk about what you felt watching it. And for me, I was talking with my son, True, today and telling him there's going to be a debate tonight between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And we had an interesting conversation about it. And, and, and I, you know, he's doing virtual school right now. And, and in between assignments, I try and have something teed up for him to do, a worksheet or whatever. And I was like, hey, buddy, you can't stay up to watch the debate, which thank God he didn't. Um, but maybe tomorrow, part of our assignment is I'll have some clips and we'll watch it. And in my mind, I was thinking, That'll be great. We'll watch like some interesting policy exchange <laughs> and then I'll see what he thinks and we'll talk about it and it'll be really great and educational. And he was like, oh, yeah, it'd be cool, dad. I'd like that, you know. And now I realize like we're going to do that tomorrow, but we're going to watch like one clip and it's not going to be about politics or policy. It's going to be about we don't behave this way, do we? We would never act like Donald Trump is acting here, would we? It's just going to be a lesson in being polite. And and that's just sad. And, uh, and it makes me sad for America. And that's what I'm going to tell people as to why this guy just can't be president anymore. I agree. I mean, my like personal take on it is I, I left uh, not just exhausted, but sad. You're right. Uh, you're, you're, uh, <laughs> you walk away thinking, God, this is the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I was, I was taught to revere the president of the United States. I grew up revering it. Like, it didn't matter if it was Ronald Reagan or, or Bill Clinton or anybody. Like, I, you know, that person deserves our respect. Um, and they're going to fight for all of us. And, and what I saw tonight is, is uh, somebody, it's just degraded the institution. They're great at the country. And as a patriot, as an American, um, uh, I was ready to end it. I, I wanted it to stop. <laughs> um, you know, and I just, yeah. it, it's like a patriotic thing. I needed it to stop. 
thankfully we can. Like, I think that was, you know, Robbie, you're talking earlier in the night about, you know, what's the positive that we can take away from this? The positive in my mind is we're empowered to do something, um, right? Like ballots are out. People are voting. Like we don't, it, the, the sense that I got was I cannot wait for this to be over. And the good news is I don't have to wait. I, I'm voting tomorrow, right? And so I think a, a lot of people should take, take a, a take, feel good about that. Feel good that they've got this power to do something about what they saw tonight, tomorrow morning. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I agree with all of that. And I think for listeners, it's important to remember we, we came into this debate with a historic lead it, that has been more durable and larger than anything Hillary Clinton had um, with every possible indication that this is heading in the right direction, whether it's the Trump tax story, whether it's um, COVID and his continued inability to handle it, whether it's just the numbers in the polls and how, how they're moving. Um, and uh, you need to like, think about this. Like, you know, we use sports analogies all the time. Like there are going to be moments when it's a little bit harder, you know, and it's, and it's not because Biden lost or Trump won. It's because it's not the clean win we wanted tonight. Right. I came in tonight, like praying, that this would be a knockout blow. This was not that. But it also was a continuation of more of the same from him, which is like the same story, which is it appalls us. We think it's it's going to turn off a lot of people in the middle and exhaust them. Uh, and, and also it's going to uh, ignite a bunch of people who uh, were on the sidelines for one reason or another, whether in their middle or, or not. And I think you look at this and it's... It, it, it makes us continue to, to have a reason to fight, which is you look at this and you say, all right, this wasn't a knockout blow, but this is the same appalling human being who is degrading the presidency that he's always been. And so we need to just have the same pep in our step that we had before, if not more, and know that it's not a done deal. But he certainly, it wasn't their knockout blow. They needed, they needed a, uh, a miracle tonight. And what they got was uh, a president who... Um, continued and in my opinion continued to be the same bully that he's always been i thought he sounded a little slightly clearer than he he normally is and that just isn't enough in my opinion if we do our job they know? needed they needed a blowout win and they got a rain out that's what they got yeah they you know yeah. they just turned on the sprinklers and that ain't gonna get it done for him so uh with that said everybody has to go out and continue to make the case thank you hari very much for doing this uh, I, I appreciate it. Everybody get out there, do your work. Remember, we all have a platform. Make sure to use yours today. I will be up several times tonight singing the army song to my daughter. So here we go. I'm going to go get that started. Hi, listeners. It's Robbie with a question for you. What if instead of being on the brink of disaster, we're on the cusp of a better world? For that answer, I recommend listening to the What Could Go Right podcast. Each week, Progress Network founders Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varvalukas dive into the biggest news and most pressing topics of our time, from elections to climate change, and make the case for a brighter future with guests like Harvard professor Arthur C. Brooks and California State Senator Robert Hertzberg. Progress is on the way. Find out on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts.